0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, church. How we doing this morning? Fantastic, come on if you love Jesus, would you put your hands together and just give God a shout of praise in this place? God, we worship you. We thank you. We honor you in this house in Jesus' mighty name. When somebody said, "Amen," fantastic. Grab your seats. Hey, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ade Ayoko, and had the privilege of being here this morning. I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Ed and Pastor Gail for having us. Uh, It is really an honor to be here this morning. I am married to the beautiful Han. Han, would you just wave at everyone? I'm married. We've been married for about nine years, and it's it's so good to be married. Praise Jesus. Uh, No, really, it is so good to be married. My wife is Asian, which is fantastic. I'm African, if you cannot tell. I know, don't let the skin color fool you. But I promise, I am African. It is true. It is real. It is a thing. And now we've got two beautiful children. I think they're going to come up on the screen any moment now. Two beautiful children. And three, two, boom, one. There we are. Uh, I not right? They're cute. They're just beautiful. They're, they're, they're the best. Over here, right over here, is Perez. That's uh, little Perez. Perez is five years old. He turned six in a little while. And on the left hand side, your right, I think it is, is little Zara. Zara is four, turning 14. So pray for me. She's got all the sass in the world. She walks around telling me she's the boss woman. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. She really does. Uh, so I need your prayers, please. Before today is gone, lay hands on me. I need all the wisdom you got. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but Perez uh, is, like I said, five. My kids' name they're not quite African. They're not quite Asian. They're somewhere in between. They're black knees okay that was a moment for you to laugh that was like the best joke of the day like you were supposed to crack laughing you were supposed to be rolling on the floor doing all that kind of jazz that's as good as it's gonna no i'm teasing but seriously, um, so Perez simply means breakthrough um, and Azara uh, means arise and shine. And the reason we name our kids that is really simple. We believe that whenever God gives you a breakthrough, he causes you to rise and shine. And so today we're really believing that what's going to happen in this place is there will be a level of breakthrough in this house. We're believing that what's going to happen in this place is that we're going to lift up and arise and shine into all that God has for us. Amen. Now I know you're kinda of looking at me a bit funny. Let me explain the accent a little because it's really important too. I am black, I am African, I don't sound the part, it's okay. I can if you want me to, I promise. Hello, how are you today? Um no <laughs> As you can tell, I feel really at home already, which is kind of cool. Uh, but uh, I, I grew up, uh, I was born in Nigeria, which is on the a- in Africa. I lived there for about six months of my life. I moved from there to the UK. So if you listen closely enough, you will hear a little bit of a British accent coming through. Uh, I watched a lot of American television as a kid. So you'll hear a lot of y'all and MTV. So please don't hold that against me. No, I'm teasing. Um, But also, I spent a bit of my time living in Papua New Guinea uh, in PNG, which is pretty cool. So I'm this kind of multicultural person who's kind of got so many different accents. And depends on how I'm feeling and what God is doing and what I am doing, depends on the accent you're going to get. So let's play with that. And I'm married to an Asian. Amen. But with that said, now, in case you've never had a black preacher, just a couple of things I need to make sure that you're aware of. First of all, we have something called a sweat towel. And the reason we have a sweat towel because every now and again we get all sweaty and we got to do these ones. So if you see me do that, I promise I'm just having a good time in God, you better too. Um, The second thing you need to know about a black preacher is simply this. We get really excited about the Word of God. So for example, if I'm preaching, here we go, come on now. If I'm preaching something that is good and you're like, oh my goodness, that is incredible. What I need you to do is put your hands together. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, almost there. Uh, Mr. Sound Guy, can you just give me a little bit more fallback? I just want to come. Are you coming in hot? Yeah, that's good. Um, so if I'm preaching something fantastic, you just put your hands together and just clap and go crazy. Awesome. Now, if it's really good and you're like, whoa, come on now. What I want you to do is simply get on your feet, clap, and go, preach a black man, preach. So, this is, oh, that's all right, right? That's, that's okay. That's cool. I'm just stating the obvious. So let's just practice very quickly. God is good. Oh, okay. That is some truth right there. God is good. So this is where you get all crazy. God is amazing. God is fantastic. God is incredible. Oh, there we go. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Well, we might as well get straight to work. You might have noticed I speak a little bit fast. And the reason I speak fast is I have so much content to go through. So please listen up. Please get your notebooks out. Please get your iPads out. If you have a Samsung, God bless you. Amen. (laughs) You have a sad song. No, I'm teasing. Uh, But if you would grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read a little bit of Scripture this morning and see what God has to say to us in this place. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 14 all the way down to verse 16. I'm going to read to you from what is known as the New King James Version of Scripture, not because it's the best, but simply because it's my favorite. So let's see what God has to say in his word. Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but but put on a lampstand and give light to all who are in the house. Let your light therefore shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Just one more time. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, today, I have the privilege of speaking to, you from, speaking to you from the topic, I am the light. I am the the light. Holy Spirit, we thank you because you're here right now. We ask, oh God, that you would go through every aisle, that you would go through every row, that God, you'll begin to touch every single soul. We pray, oh God, the transformation would occur in this house. I pray, oh God, that there'll be instruction. I pray, the God, there'll be inspiration. I pray, God, there'll be empowerment in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I put your word in my heart. Now I pray that you would wrap me in your Christ. I thank you for victory on the left and victory on the right and victory in front and victory behind. I thank you because you're about to do something significant in this house and whoever believes that, would you just put your hands together and give God some praise. So good. A few years ago, about maybe a year ago, I had the opportunity to take a bunch of students to uh, Papua New Guinea. I'm a principal of a college and it was fantastic. And we had about 30 young adults that we had, both young adults within the life of our church and other churches in Brisbane. And I had the privilege to go on a mission trip to Papua New Guinea. And I was excited. It was pumping. It was fantastic. And we went for about two weeks. We went to a city called Leigh. We went to a city called Port Moresby. And we, we just did some great things in God. We spoke at schools. We had crusades. Thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus. It was incredible. It's what mission strips are made out of. It was awesome. As a principal, I have my chest died. I was excited. My students are doing so well. I'm like, come on, God, it's moving. People are getting healed. Miracles are happening. People are getting delivered. It was awesome. I was on cloud nine. It was great. And then we found ourselves in the second week in a city called Port Moresby. It is the capital city of PNG, and we're there. And we had the opportunity to do what we call a midweek service on a Wednesday night. And so I've got 30 students on a bus. Yes. And we're driving in the back corners of um, Port Moresby. And we're there, and the students are very excited because, as you might know, in Brisbane, maybe even here in the sunny coast, we don't really do midweek services. We do Sunday night services, we do Sunday morning services, we do Friday night youth, praise Jesus, but we generally don't do a Wednesday night service. So my students are pumped. They're like, come on, Wednesday night service. Yes, we feel like Americans. Come on, let's go for this. This is going to be awesome. And we're driving through on the highway, we get to the corner, we get to the bit of town we're supposed to be, and all of a sudden, all their excitement turns into despair. Why? Because as we drove past, we realized that there's no light in the neighborhood and there's a bit of a blackout going on. And so there I am with 30 odd students, first world students who I'm worried about will be completely freaked out because there's no light in the neighborhood with their first world problems, getting their phones all switched on and using the lamp on it to see. And I'm thinking to myself, oh Jesus, really God, we're having the best mission trip ever. And now there is a blackout. And so I'm there freaked out. And to my amazement, there's 30 kids, instead of freaking out, decided not to freak out. They had a commission in their heart. They were empowered of God, and they made a decision in their lives that they were going to be the light of the world. And so to my surprise, 30 kids got on their feet and began to speak in tongues and began to pray until the light came back 20 minutes later. And now come on, you put your hand together and give God some praise. And we had this amazing time in God, and it was fantastic. But the reason that I share the story with you is really simple. That the reality is to the human experience, the light is significant. The light is important. That whether you're in the back corners of PNG or whether you're here in the sunny coast, the light is significant to the human experience. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that you and I are the light. Of the world. Church, I want you to understand this morning that no matter your age or stage, no matter where you are in life, that as long as you are a believer in Jesus Christ, as long as you're a Christian, as long as you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose up three days later for the forgiveness of your sin, that God has commissioned you, God has designed you, God has purposed you to be the light of the world. You could be married. Oh, hello. The front row is ready to go. You could be married, you could be single, you could be working, you could be studying, you could be in high school, you could be at university, you could have children. You may not have children. You may be rich, you may be poor, you may be black, white, or something in between. But as long as you are a Christian, as long as you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God has commissioned you, God has designed you, God has purposed you, that you and I would be the light in the world. Can we just read this passage of Scripture just one more time? Because I really want you to get this. It's really, really key and significant. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Let me read it again. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, I want you to know this morning that the Bible defines light as a source of illumination. Sorry, I said Bible. I'm I'm a Bible college lecturer. Everything's about the Bible. Let's try that again. The dictionary defines light. There we go, not the Bible. But the dictionary defines light as a source of illumination. And theologically speaking, whenever we speak about illumination, we have to speak about revelation. Because where there's no illumination, there is no revelation. Which means that when there's illumination, we have Revelation. Are you still with me? Simply put, illumination leads to revelation. Just one more time. Illumination leads to revelation. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 1 verse 18. Let me read it to you. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. One more time. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. In essence, the Apostle Paul is simply letting us know, that illumination leads to revelation. I, I, I don't know. Have you ever been reading your Bible? And while you're reading the words, you're in the book, you're going through it. Maybe you're doing your devotions and you're going through it. And all of a sudden, something kind of pops out of Scripture. And it just like, it, it's almost like it, it's like, you, mm, oh, you know what I'm talking about. You're there, you're reading and, ding, and you're like, whoa, what was that? And you go back to it and suddenly you have a revelation moment. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're reading through the book of John. You're in John chapter 3 and you're there and you're scanning through and you're going and reading. And suddenly you find yourself in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And mm, you have that moment and it's so cool. And bushka, right there and then you have a revelation that God actually loves you. Or maybe you're reading through the book of Romans and you're there, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, and you're there and say, uh, for God, if God is with me, who can be against me? And as you're reading through that, suddenly you have a revelation that no matter what is going on in my life, if God is with me, oh, come on, somebody. If God is on my side, come on, somebody. If God is with me, no devil in hell can get in the way. What happens? You had a moment of revelation. Why? Because illumination leads to revelation. Are you still tracking with me? And what happens to most of us is this. So when we have this moment of illumination, we get a highlighter out, and we get a highlighter out, or we get a pen, and we get to our Bible and we underline it. And if you've got a Bible app like I do, you click the little thing and you make it go yellow. And you're like, yes, I highlighted it. And what you did physically is you highlighted the page because God actually highlighted your heart. Are you still with me? So the, what you did physically was that it was a, if you, a, a physical representation of what God in your spirit, he illuminated your spirit. Therefore, you were able to get a revelation. Are you still with me? Because illumination leads to? Oh, praise God. Somebody's listening this morning. And Jesus said that you and I are the light of the world. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. That you and I are the source of illumination to the world. The you and I, you, me, are together, we are the light of the world. That if someone's going to have a moment of illumination about God, it's going to come through us. If God is going to highlight God in someone else's heart, it's going to come through us. If God's going to reveal himself to somebody, guess what? It's going to come through us because you and I are the light of the world. Come on, would you say with me this morning, say, I am the light. I am the light. One more time. I am the light. One more time. I am the light. Just because. Yes, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And the question is this. How do I demonstrate or what do I need to do to show the world that I am the light of the world? How do I ensure that my everyday life, my everyday being, my everything I do demonstrates and shows other people that I indeed am the light of the world? How do I make sure that other people are having a moment of illumination and therefore a moment of revelation? What do I need to do as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a believer, as someone who truly believes that Jesus is Lord, what do I need to do? And this morning, I want to give you quickly two things that I think every Christian needs to do to make sure that they truly are the light of the world. Are you still with me? First thing you need to do is this. Oh, it's on the screen. There you go. The first thing you need to do is this. You need to share the message. If you are going to be the light of the world, if you're going to be the source of illumination, if you're going to be the one highlighting God in the hearts of people, If you're going to be the one that's going to reveal Christ to other people, guess what? You actually need to share the message. Let's read what Romans 10 verse 14 has to say. Oh, there it is. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? In other words, church, unless someone's actually sharing this message about Jesus, nobody's going to have a revelation. Unless someone's actually talking about Jesus, no one's going to have a moment of illumination. Unless someone's actually talking about Jesus, God is not going to highlight himself in the hearts of people. Unless someone is actually talking about Jesus, there are people that are going to have a Christless eternity. They're not going to be forgiven of their sins. They're not going to have a moment of redemption. There is no revelation coming to their life. Why? Because no one is sharing about Jesus. And I believe that there are two messages of Jesus that we need to share. The first one is this. We need to actually know the gospel message. We need to share the gospel message. We actually need to be able to tell someone, John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We have to be able to talk to someone else and go to them and go, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God cares about you? Do you know that God is concerned about you? We need to let them know. Hold up. I told you there was going to be a sweat towel moment in the sermon. Now you know it's popping real good. But you need to be able to tell someone and go, hey, do you know that you can be forgiven of your sin because of what Jesus did on the cross? We have to be able to share this message of love and this message of hope and this message of faith. We need to be able to say to someone, hey, the good news according to the gospel is this, the once upon a time we were lost in our sin, once upon a time we were lost in our transgression, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, you and I, if we choose to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that we can be saved. And we need to know how to share this message of the gospel. But here's the deal: it's not enough to share the message of the gospel. We don't only need to share this message of the gospel, but we also need to be able to share our own personal testimonies. You see, the good news is awesome, but your personal testimony is the good news as it applies to you, the individual. See, so the reality is that when we leave the four walls of this, the four walls of this house, then when we begin to talk to people about Jesus, they can argue with that. People can argue with theology, people can argue with ideology, people can argue with philosophy, people can argue with concepts and ideas. But the one thing they cannot argue with is your personal testimony. Nobody can argue with you about how God saved you. Just saying. Nobody can argue with you and how God redeemed you. Nobody can argue with you about how God healed you. Uh, For example, we just saw the video about Asha. Nobody can tell Stacy that God did not heal Usher. I don't care what the doctor, she was like, uh-uh, no, we, my church was praying, my church was praying, they were praying. I know we called, we call, they, they prayed, they prayed. It was the power of God that, are you still with me? They can argue about anything in the world, but they cannot argue about the fact that God saved you, God delivered you, God put your feet upon a solid rock. They cannot argue about your personal testimony. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to know, we need to share this message of our personal testimony with people. The Bible puts it this way, the people are redeemed, or rather people overcome by the blood of the Lamb, but by the power of our testimony. In other words, it's not just about what Jesus did on the cross, mm, it's about what we say about what he did on the cross according to us, what he did in our lives, how he healed us, how he delivered us, how he changed us. We need to not just share the message of hope and the message of love and the message of Jesus and the message of the cross, but we also need to share the message of what God did in our lives, our personal testimony. One of my favorite things, you saw my picture of my two beautiful kids. They're awesome and amazing. When they were a lot younger, one of my favorite things to do, I I call it um, baby evangelism. My favorite thing to do. It kind of doesn't really work so much now because my five-year-old talks back and it doesn't really work. And my four-year-old's got way too much sass, praise Jesus. So we don't really work as much. But when they were much younger, when they were like, you know, kind of like 12 months old, 18 months old, I'm a pastor, so I have Mondays off. Amen, glory to Jesus don't be evidence it's okay I'll pray for you too but I have Mondays off and it's awesome I would go to my local shopping center and I would you know put them in their push thing and I would push them around or walk around the shopping center and I would just I would go window shopping because I'm not buying anything I'm just going there to evangelize and I would just <laughs> no, it's true and I would just be going from shop to shop and always you get someone go oh my goodness they are so cute oh I knew you were gonna say that I was waiting for you oh I thought you are so cute. I'm like, oh, I know. Oh, oh, thank, you. oh thank you. And you got to try to be humble about it. Like, you know, oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. It's all their mom. While on the inside, I like, yeah, I got some looks. Amen. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Don't hate. And we'll be there in the shopping center. and People talking about how cute the kid is. I'm like, oh, would you like to buy that? No, no, no. And I look at them and go, how was your weekend? Because whenever you ask someone about their weekend, they have to ask you about your weekend. How was your weekend? And they like, oh, you know, we did this and did that. And they go, how was yours? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I was in church on Sunday. And the reason I was in church on Sunday, because God did this in my life and God did this in my life. And on Sunday, I saw people got saved. And I'm, what, what am I doing? I'm sharing the message. I'm being the light of the world. Will they get saved right then? I don't know. Will they get saved tomorrow? I don't know. But my job is to be the light of the world and to share this message of faith. Another thing I love to do, I I love to do this. This is is up there. I love to jump in Ubers. If you're an Uber driver in here, I love you. You are awesome. We have one car, which means I have the opportunity to be in Ubers all the time. And I take, my McDonald's is like, where are my young people at? My McDonald's is like five minutes down the road. To be honest, I can walk to my McDonald's, but I don't. The devil is a liar. No, 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 no. I get my app out. I order my Uber. Why? Because I know that sucker is in the car for me for five minutes. They have to listen to everything I have to say. <laughs> everything. I am the customer, and the customer is always right. And I sit in that Uber, I'm like, how long have you been driving Ubers for? Oh, three months, great. And they've got to ask, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Really? Where? In the local church around the corner. Oh, why are you a pastor? Because Jesus loves you. Oh, what am I doing? I'm dropping the gospel message. Why do you think he loves you? Why do you think he loves me? Simply because he did something in my life. He changed my life. He transformed me. I am different because of what Jesus did in my life. Therefore, I know he can do it in your life. And what am I doing? Right there and there, because they're a captive audience. (laughs) I got a captive audience and I'm going to tell them how much God loves them and how much God cares about them. Church, what am I trying to tell you this morning? Very simple. How am I trying to encourage you? Real simple. It is our responsibility as Christians is our responsibility as believers. Is our responsibility as those who follow Jesus to say, you know what? I am going to be the light of the world. I'm going to share this message of Christ with everyone I get in contact with. I'm going to open my mouth and speak so that somebody else can have a revelation about this same Jesus that I love. Church, we need to share this gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you still with me? Not only do we need to share this message of Jesus Christ, but we also need to bring and invite people to the house of God. Uh, In in the book of Mark, chapter 2, the story is told of a paralyzed man. And this paralyzed man came to Jesus. And while he was in the house with Jesus, he gets healed of his paralysis, which is awesome. But he gets to experience Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But what is really fascinating to me, the more I think about this story, is that the only reason this gentleman has this moment of encounter is because he had four friends who decided to invite him to the house of God. The only reason he had a moment of encounter with God, to encounter the power of God, be it in healing, be it in transformation, be it in salvation, was because he had four friends who decided, guess what, we're going to invite you to the house of God. And I want to encourage us this morning that we have a responsibility to invite our friends, our family, our work colleagues to the house of God. That it is our job, if we're going to be the light of the world, if we're going to highlight Jesus in the hearts of other people, if we're going to be the source of revelation where other people can know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that we actually not only need to talk about Jesus and tell them what they did in our life, but we actually need to invite people to the house of God. We've actually got to go, hey, Jack, how you doing? I hope you're well. How was your weekend? Hey, can I invite you to church this week? Can I invite you to the house of God? Now, that does not negate the need of actually sharing the gospel message. I need to slow this down a little. You see, one of the dilemmas in the Christian world at the moment is this. we Only all we do is invite people to church. We don't share the message. It's, they go hand in hand. You can't have a strong left hand and not a strong right hand. You can't, you can't skip leg day, matching people. Are you with me? Right? You can't just, all we do is invite people to church. No, 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 you actually need to open your mouth and talk about Jesus and what he did in your life and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how the church grows. But added to that is actually inviting them to the house of God. But would you just imagine with me? If all his four friends did it was invite Jack to the house of God. Jack the paralyzed man, because I like the name Jack. If your name's Jack, I'm not saying you're paralyzed. I love you, Jack. But just imagine that all they did was go, hey, Jack, would you come to the house of God? Who knows that even though they got invited to the house of God, that he would not have got healed and delivered? So what makes the story powerful is not just they invited him, but they actually brought him to the house of God. And it's not enough for us to invite our friends to the house of the Lord. It's not enough for us to invite our friends to city church here on the sunny coast. We actually need to bring them to the house of God. In John chapter 1, sorry, John chapter 1 verse 40, the story is told of a David, not David, Andrew invited and brought his brother, his friend Peter to Jesus. In John chapter 1 verse 46, the same is true about Philip. He invited and brought Nathanael to the feet of Jesus. He didn't just invite, but he brought them to the feet of Jesus. And I want to suggest to us this morning that if we're truly going to be the light of the world, if we're truly going to be the source of illumination that leads to other people having a revelation of Jesus, then we need to bring, we need to invite and bring people to the house of God. By way of illustration, if you were brought to church by someone, right, whether it was a parent, whether it was a friend, whether it was a work colleague, that you were brought to church for the very first time by someone, would you do me the favor of just lifting your hand? if someone brought you to the house of God? Someone brought you to the house of God? Wow. Wow, look at that. Somebody brought you to the house of God. Isn't that fantastic? You see, here's the reality. Many of us only come into a house like this because somebody brought us in, not just because we were invited, but because someone brought us in. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were talking about how she got saved. And she began to relate to me, saying, "Ada, you would not believe this. And I'm like, oh, no, tell me the story. I can believe anything. I'm a pastor. I promise I can believe it. I believe in the supernatural. Anything is possible with Jesus. So like, what, what happened was I was in high school. And one of my friends at that point in time kept on inviting me to church, to youth group. And her mom found out about it. And so her mom decided, so her friend's mom decided that not only was her friend going to just invite her, what she would do is every Friday, she would drive to her house get Han in the car and bring her to youth group. And that's how she was able to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And today I am super grateful for this older woman who was able to not only invite my wife to church, but actually bring her to church. I now am married to a woman of faith. I'm not married to a woman who can pray. Come on, somebody. I'm not married to a woman who believes in the miracle power of God. I'm not married to a woman who can pray down the house. All because somebody decided to invite her and bring her to the house of God. Church, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I came to tell you, it's not enough to simply share the message. It's not enough to simply preach the gospel. It's not enough to simply share your testimony. But at some point, you need to invite somebody. At some point, you need to get someone in your car. You need to say, I'm going to take you to the house of God. I'm going to be the light of the world God is calling us this morning God is challenging us this morning to be the light I am the light you are the light together we are the light of the world and the way that we get to be the light of the world is by sharing this message of faith the good news about Jesus by sharing our testimony by inviting people to the house of God but by also bringing people to the house of God and this is what I love about what we're doing tonight Alpha course oh, and it's so good we can actually not just tell them about Jesus we can not only just share our testimony but we can invite them to Alpha yeah. where they can hear about it but guess what, we can put them in our car we can pay for their Ubers oh. and we can bring them to the house where they can experience the love of Jesus Christ, church it is time for us to be the light of the world it's time for us to be the light of the world. It's time for us to be the source of illumination. It's time for us to highlight Jesus in the hearts of men and women. It's time for us to be... Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at infocity churchnet